we are beginning a new series of messages. Now, when we started in January, our theme for the year is unshakable. And when we started in January, we looked at our, our God is unshakable. Then we got to February. And, of course, February is the month of love. And so we looked at unshakable love that comes from God. And, this, this, and then this month, we're going to be looking at unshakable peace. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Psalm chapter 23, and we're going to look in the first three verses, and really for the rest of the month of March, we are going to be going through the 23rd Psalm, and I just think it's a, obviously it's probably one of the most, uh, the most oft-read passage of, passages of Scripture in the Bible, but I think it has a whole lot to share with us, and especially whenever it comes to peace that people oftentimes turn to the 23rd Psalm in order to find that peace. Uh, I, am not a, I am not a tree guy. I don't know a whole lot about trees, but I read a story about the lodge, the lodgepole pine tree. Have any of y'all ever heard of the lodgepole pine tree? Okay, a few of you have. I never have. Now, what is interesting about them as I was reading about them is they have these pine cones that they produce that uh, squirrels and birds, they, they just cannot get inside of those pine cones to get to their seeds in order to eat them. And so they're just sort of these, it's, it's like this huge puzzle, nobody can figure it out. But here's what's interesting, the only time those seeds are ever really released, the only time it's ever broken up is whenever they undergo intense heat. And so whenever there is a forest fire, those pine cones will just like burst open and their seeds will spread out. And so I just thought that was really cool. That, that God in his wisdom, that he made a tree like that so that whenever a fire comes, that that tree is going to be able to repopulate or reforest a whole area that's been decimated by fire. And as I, I thought about that, I thought, well, you know what, the same thing is true with us. And that is that whenever heat is applied in our lives, whenever we are undergoing trials and difficulties in our lives, it, it's very easy for us to turn our attention to God. And then whenever we do that, it is that, that then that God will work in us and he will enable us to begin to give off the seeds that only can be given off whenever we undergo intense pressure. Uh, we're told in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. And so this is the tough part to me. He says, so I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures because of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now today we're going to be talking about the peace that God gives people. And we're going to look in the 23rd Psalm. And as we look in Psalm chapter 23, we're going to see that one of the ways that God brings peace into our lives is that God can take a life that is broken, a life that is hurt, and he can restore it. And that's what we're going to see in the first three verses of the 23rd Psalm. And if you live long enough, it doesn't take too long for you to recognize that there's some things in your life that just that need to be fixed. You know, there's some things in your life that need to be tweaked a little bit. 
But I think sometimes what can happen to us is we can get to a point that we feel like we're, you know, we're sort of like a car that's rusted out. And the only thing that we're good for is to be taken to the junkyard and just forgotten about. Now, if you feel that way, I want you to know that you're going to enjoy the 23rd Psalm. Because when I look into the 23rd Psalm, here's what I see. I see that God takes rusted out, broken people, and he is willing to restore them. Now, if you're familiar with the 23rd Psalm, you know the very first part of the verse. It says, the Lord is my what? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, for us, you know, I, I don't know many shepherds in the Blythewood area. I don't know any uh, shepherds in the Blythewood area. But whenever Jesus, or whenever David wrote this psalm, the people that lived in Israel during this time, they, they saw shepherds all around them. And so they would have been very familiar with the imagery that he was going to be giving in this scripture. Now, what we're going to see in this scripture is that God desires for his people to experience restoration to experience peace. And so the big question for me when I look through the scripture is, well, then how does he do that? You know, how does God take people like us, and how does he restore us and give us hope for the future? And so I just want us to look very briefly in these three verses at a few things that the Lord does to restore us. And the first thing that I see that he does in order to restore people is that he protects his people. God always protects his people. If Again, verse number 1 in, in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack. Now, as I, as I said earlier, shepherding was, it was a very common practice in Israel. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel today, once you get outside the city of Jerusalem, you'll see these guys you know, walking around and they'll have sheep that are following them. So it's still very much imagery that you see to this day. But it's interesting to me that the very first verse, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and I find that interesting because, you know, being a shepherd is not exactly what you would call, you know, like a white-collar job. I mean, it's a, you know, it was a very, it's a difficult job. It's a job that it's very intensive. And you're with animals all the time. And so then I look at that and I say, it says that the Lord is my shepherd. That God would subject himself to the task of being a shepherd who's watching over sheep is, is really intriguing to me. And, and Jesus backed up this metaphor in John 10, 11 when he said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, the big question is, what's the job of a shepherd? What does a shepherd do? It's real simple. He watches over sheep. Now, as he watches over the sheep, it's, it's, not, it's not a nine-to-five job. It's not like he goes in the office at nine, watches the sheep until five, and says, hey, y'all, y'all have a great day, and then he leaves. It is a 24-hour-a-day job. And the shepherd has to watch over the sheep all of the time because, because they just really don't know how to take care of themselves. And shepherd, or sheep, whenever they are left on their own, you know, they are very subject to the predators that are going to be around them. And so that's why a shepherd, you know, typically when we think of a shepherd, he's got a, he's got a staff in his hand. And, you know, if you think of that staff, it's got that big, you know, that big crook. And, y'all, we, we know what that's for. It was, you know, for one, it was like to help him keep his footing. But if, if sheep ever got into trouble, he would use the crook of that staff in order to grab the sheep and pull him out of trouble. He would also carry a rod in order to beat back predators that were trying to harm the sheep. 
Again, we see another metaphor of God being a shepherd in Isaiah 40, 11. Here's what it says about God. It says, he protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Now, that, that could be a surprising picture for some of you of how God is. That God is gentle with people. That God loves people. Because I think sometimes our thought about God is that God is a disciplinarian. That God is waiting for us to mess up so that he can pull out that, you know, that rod and beat us in the head with it to remind us who's boss. But whenever I look into our scripture, I see that our God is a God who loves his children and he wants to do whatever he can in order to protect them and guide them down the right road. That's why the end of verse number one, it says, there is nothing I lack. You know, whenever the Lord is the shepherd of your life, there's not anything that you're going to be left wanting. Now, conversely, if you try to do this life on your own, you're going to find yourself wanting. You're going to find yourself coming up short all the time. In Romans chapter 3, it says that every one of us falls short of the glory of God. In Luke chapter 16, it tells us that there is a great chasm that stands between God and man. So, so what, what's supposed to happen for us? Well, that's where God steps in and fills in the gap for us. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, and that is Christ Jesus. So, so what does God do? What, what God does is he brings us as, into his flock. He brings us into his family, and then he makes us heirs of his. Now, you might think, well, that sounds good, but what if I mess up? You know, what if I do something really bad? Does that mean that God's going to forget about me? Does that mean that God will kick me out of his, out of his flock? Well, I, I look in the Bible, and I find out, did you know that God's protection for you? If you follow God, did you know his protection for you is good for all time? In Romans 8, 37-39, says, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what that's telling us? That God always has his eye on his people. He is always protecting you. You know, I've shared this story before. I think it's a neat story. Indians, whenever they were raising up their sons, when they were just young braves, on the night before their 13th birthday, they would take them out in order to basically affirm them as being men. And so what they would do after a day of hunting and fishing, they would blindfold their sons, they would take them out into the middle of the woods and say, you're going to stay here all night by yourself and then they would tell them you can take the blindfold off only after we leave and so those boys would be out in the field they are out in the woods by themselves and whenever they heard the men leave them they would take off the blindfold and it was pitch black they couldn't see anything so as you can imagine they're scared and they're nervous and they're standing there and every little creak they hear they think it's some animal getting ready to pounce on them but they nervously wait for daylight to come but when it finally comes, they're able to see, and when they look around, they'll look behind them, and behind them will be standing their father, who has a bow and arrow at his side. The entire night, he was there protecting his son. 
Now, there's sometimes when we feel like in this life we are all alone. It's dark, and there's things out there that scare us. But guys, we need to understand that Scripture teaches us that God always has his protective hand on us. He desires for us to be restored people. And the way that he does that, first of all, he does it by protecting us, but he also does it by providing for us. So God, he protects us and he provides for us. In verse number 2, scripture you're very familiar with, it says, He lets me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Now, I've shared with you all before, sheep are some of the most, you know, really the helpless animals that there are. Now, if there's anything that ever comes after a sheep, you think, okay, well, he has a few options on how he can try to protect himself, how he can try to defend himself. And basically, there's three responses that, that an animal has in order to protect himself. There's fight, there's flight, and then there's posture. And so uh, this is what I learned. This is why I watch TV, Animal Kingdoms, the stuff you learn. So you look at fight. So animals, uh, one of the things that's natural for them when they're under attack is they will fight other animals. Now, that sounds good unless you're a sheep. Did y'all know that sheep are not known as fighters? You know, you've never heard of a sheep attacking anyone. They don't have big fangs. They don't have big legs to kick off or kick at other animals. And so, you know, there's a lot of animals that don't have the ability to fight, but another option they have is flight. You know, and that's where you're able to just, you know, to turn tail and run and get out of dodge. Well, sheep can't even do that. You know, sheep, their, their legs are, they're a little, you know, they don't really fit their bodies very well. They're not known as being very fast. And so they can pretty much be run down by any kind of animal that there is. So they're in trouble there. The last one is posture. And so sometimes whenever an animal is threatened, uh, some animals will have a defensive posture. You, know, you can think of a little dog, and, and he'll, he'll bare his teeth, and he'll, you know, he'll bark. Or you can think of a cat, and a cat will you know, arch its back and hiss at you, or a snake will rattle its, uh, rattle its tail. What does a sheep do? Bah. You know what I mean? You know, that's it. And so if, if that's what a sheep does, uh, now is, that, is that intimidating? No, absolutely not at all. It doesn't do anything. You know what sheep do whenever they're under attack? They go in panic mode. And they will run around in circles basically just hoping that the predator will get somebody else. And that's all that they do. So that's why sheep absolutely need a shepherd. And so what does the shepherd do? Well, if you go and look in verse number 2 again, it says the sheep or the shepherd will take his sheep into green pastures and he will lead him beside quiet waters. Now lying down in green pastures brings a couple of thoughts to mind. Lying down, of course, it refers to rest. And if a, if a sheep doesn't have a shepherd, he, he's not going to have any rest because he's going to be chased by predators. And so the shepherd, the good shepherd, which is our Lord, says, I'm going to take you, and while you feel like you are under attack, he says, I'm going to bring you into green pastures where you will find rest. That's significant. You know, if, if you've ever been to Israel, you know, the, it's a very arid land. 
doesn't have a whole lot of green, so shepherds had to constantly be on the march looking for food. Well, well, the Lord is saying, listen, I'm so good at this stuff, I'm going to find you so much grass that you're going to be able to lie down in it. And you're going to be able to find rest. Any of you need rest? I think there are many of us who, who always need rest. We have a lack of peace in our lives because we're worried. We worry about health. We worry about jobs. We worry about our children. But then I look into Scripture and I see that God says, I want you to have rest. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. He gives us rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Well, what else does he do? Well, he also leads me beside quiet waters. Now, now, what does that mean that he leads me beside quiet waters? You know, sheep don't like anything that is frightening. And if they hear running water, they don't like to drink where the water's splashing around. It frightens them. Not only that, but if they get too close to it, that water can splash up on their wool and it makes them top-heavy. And if they're there too long, they can get waterlogged and they can fall into the water and they'll drown. So what does a shepherd do? shepherd says, I'm going to lead you beside quiet waters where you're not going to be threatened, but instead where you're going to be able to get your fill and be safe. See, the Lord wants to, he wants to provide for us. He wants to take care of us. God always provides for his people. Now, let me, let me give you an example of this, something that, that, that we experienced, that I experienced here in our church. Whenever the church first started, one of the ways, you know, nobody knew who we were, and I had a buddy of mine, just, it was just a friend, and we would go out, and the way we, we started doing things is we would buy microwave popcorn, and we'd put a brochure about the church on the microwave popcorn, and we would just walk through neighborhoods handing out popcorn. And just say, hey, we're, we're, from, we're from a new church, we're from Village Church, we'd hand it out. So just me and my buddy and then my three kids, or actually two, because right, Jenny was only one. And so we'd just walk around, and I told him, I said, uh, hey, listen, I want to go into Lake Carolina neighborhood. And, and at the time, it was Lake Carolina was nothing like it is today. It was a lot smaller. And so I said, I'm going to go to Sam's, and I'm going to buy $800 worth of microwave popcorn. Now, you have to understand that our offerings every week were about 500 bucks. And so the guy I was with was like, man, we can't spend that kind of money on popcorn. I said, but we need to go there. We need to go in that neighborhood. And so he said, all right, so we'll go do it. So I, I went, I bought $800 worth of popcorn. We went to this, the neighborhood, the Oaks neighborhood. At the time, it was the largest neighborhood inside of Lake Carolina. And we're walking around, and I'm, and I'm handing out popcorn. And, I, and I'll never forget, I saw this lady in her front yard with her two children, two daughters. And I walked over and introduced myself to her, and I gave her the popcorn. I sat there and talked to her for a while. And uh, so that we got finished handing, handing it all out, that Sunday, that mother in the yard with her two daughters and her husband, they came to our church. And they came to our church after the service was over. My friend was the one who took up the offering. And he came over to me. He said, hey, you remember that family we gave the popcorn to? I said, yeah. He goes, guess how much money they gave? You know, I was like, I have no idea. He said, $800. Now, that family ended up becoming a part of our church and were faithful members here until they moved. 
And you know what? Here's what that, that guy and myself learned that day, that God always provides. He always provides for his people. Never, never doubt that. See, God is a God of restoration. He protects you. He provides for you. But then the last thing I want you to see is he also guides you. God is in the business of guiding his sheep. Verse number 3 says, He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. A shepherd always guides his sheep on the right path. Yeah, I, was, I was interested in shepherds and the importance of guiding, and I came across this story. You can actually look it up. It, it was uh, back in Istanbul, Turkey in 2005. There was a group of shepherds. They had 1,500 sheep among them. And so they decided to go over to the side and sit down and have, uh, have breakfast. Well, they were kind of in a little mountainous area where they were, and as they were eating breakfast, they looked over, and they saw one rogue sheep take off by himself, and he just ran over the side of a cliff. And then the other sheep got up, and they saw him leave, and they started following him. 1,500 sheep, they're running trying to stop the sheep. 1,500 sheep, all 1,500 of them, went over the side of the cliff. 450 of those sheep died. Now, the others didn't die because they landed on top of the other sheep. They lost $100,000 in that horrible venture. Now, I look at that and thought, what in the world? What kind of animals are these? Now, guys, you know, sheep, that just reminded me, sheep, sheep need guidance, but they don't just need guidance. You know what kind of guidance they need? They need good guidance. The same thing's true with us. You know, we all are going to follow something. We just need to make sure that we are following that which is right. But what does God want to do if we follow him? Well, if you look in verse number 3, it says the Lord, he wants to renew our lives. That word renew, it means to refresh. He wants to bring back your life. Uh, the idea here is picking up on the idea of wandering away, and the Lord comes and he gets us and he brings us back to the right path. Now, whenever you're not under the leadership of the shepherd, let me tell you something. Eventually, you're going to wander off the cliff. You're going to end up in a place that God never wanted you to be. So we want to make sure that we are under good guidance. It's not that just we, we need that we need guidance. We need good guidance. Now, it's, it's not in my nature to choose that which is good. It's in my nature to choose that just to be honest with you, which is easy. You know, I like to do stuff that doesn't cost. You know, it's easier for me not to, you know, it's easier for me not to, to exercise. It's a whole lot easier just to watch TV all day. I mean, it's easier for me to just eat stuff that tastes good. Right? I mean, that's weird. Everything that tastes good is not good for you. But it's just easier for me to do that. Now, Jesus wants to be my shepherd so that he can make sure that I'm on the right road and that I'm safe. And if, and if the Lord sees me wandering away because he's my shepherd and because he's your shepherd, you know what he does? Do you know what he comes after you? 
He will chase after you to bring you back to him. In Luke 15, 4, Jesus said, What man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the ninety-nine in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? Now, let me, let me close with this. Are you on the right road? Are you under the leadership of the good shepherd, Jesus? Because if I, I want you to know, if you're not, then you're in danger. I mean, you're, you're going to be prey to the circumstances of life, which ultimately they are harsh and they lead to death. You'll fall prey to the devil. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that the devil is like a roaring lion who is seeking someone to devour. But I want you to know that the good shepherd wants to protect you. He wants you to experience peace. He wants your life to be refreshed, to be restored, to be renewed. Now, how does he do that? Well, I'll look at our text. He'll do it by protecting you. He'll do it by providing for you. He'll do it by guiding you. Now, is your life in the hands of the Good Shepherd. Now, there could be some of you today, and you're a follower of God, but maybe you look at yourself and you say, you know, I just, I just feel like a rusted-out car, and I need to be restored. Well, here's the great thing. You're following one who is in the business of restoring people. Very simply could be that you just simply need to bow your head before him and say, Jesus, refresh me. Lord, give me a new spirit. Lord, create in me a new heart where I'll be sensitive to you. God, create in me a spirit where I will trust you and I'll follow you wherever you lead. And for others of you, it might just be a time when you need to say, Lord, I, I want to follow you. I've never done it before, but I want to follow you. Now, I'd just like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes at this time as we close. And for some of you as believers, you just simply need to call out to God and pray to him and say, Lord, I'm asking you to renew me. Lord, to trust you, to trust where you lead. And then others of you just simply need to pray and say, Lord, I give my life to you. And I will follow you. Jesus, I believe that you lived and that you died and that you rose from the grave. Save me. I want to be one of your sheep. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that you have the, the best plan in mind for each one of us. God, you have a desire for each one of us to experience restoration. And Lord, I pray that we will see, especially as we go through the 23rd Psalm for the rest of this month, that we will see that we serve a God who has the best in mind for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.